I think the biggest one is bring in a little bit more self-kindness and self-compassion. So allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling and be kind to yourself. You know, we are all going to have good feelings and bad feelings that, you know, the things that don't feel so good are things we want less of and the things that do feel so good is our soul saying, yes, please, more of that. So acknowledge your feelings and, you know, make whatever changes you feel you can and be kind to yourself, be compassionate. And you know what? If you need to lay on the couch and have a snooze, go and do it. (laughs) Stop rushing around. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, hey, come on in again. Today it's time for us to get all fired up, get some motivation, inspiration, get some education, get a little bit of something to hang on to to get us through another day. You know, we do struggle in life, then we get over it. We move forward, full steam ahead, and then life comes back around and something happens again. Hey, what do we do? We move forward again. We keep persevering. Today, our guest, she says she felt like an empty shell of a human being. Hmm, that's pretty sad, pretty bad. Let's find out what's happened there. She says she had chronic uh, fatigue and was in an emotional, abusive marriage. So welcome to the show. Our guest today is Amanda Kate. Hello, and thank you so much for having me, Dr. James. It's lovely oh, to meet no, you. No, thank <laughs> you. Thank you for coming in. Appreciate it. And I tell people, uh, thank you for sharing your valuable time because they say time is valuable. And so mm-hmm. the, thank you for being here. And you're on the, the other side of the world. And so I'm am. glad that you're here. And where are you located again? In Melbourne, Australia. Australia. So I would like to visit there. I haven't uh, haven't hadn't been down there, but I would like to visit. Oh, it's it's yeah. There's so many beautiful places. Um, I think, especially, I guess it's like anywhere in the world. Every city kind of looks the same if you look down at street level. You've got kind of got to look up in cities to see it differently. But once you get out in the countryside, it's just yeah, amazing. Yeah, I said at one time where. Uh, I live in the United States, and I said that uh, one time. I said, you know, there's no need really traveling the whole United States. Everywhere you go, there's buildings, trees, roads, and grass. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just like you said, looking in different areas to make it different. Other yeah. than that, it, they're pretty much all the same. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. And Amanda, again, thank you for being here. And let's, uh, I want to get your journey and share your story. And again, appreciate you coming out and you're going to help people in the future and they say all this stuff's here on the internet forever so just think amanda 100 years from now someone's going to say thank you amanda kate for helping me out it'd be absolutely my pleasure if that was the case (laughs) Uh, all right so so let's when you start here so you say it's back in uh, 2015 2015 that you uh, felt like an empty shell of a human being what was going on 
Yeah, I did. Um, I, I guess I started, it started well before then. Um, I had lived in the UK for 11 years and, you know, I was missing my family, all that sort of stuff. So I'd been dealing with a lot of homesickness and, you know, I'd gone over on my working holiday visa, ended up marrying an Englishman and um, had two children. Um, so ended up there a lot longer than my two years. It was 11 in the end. Um, and that was really challenging having children on the other side of the world from my support network. Um, and not really having a support network over there. Um, and so we, my um, then husband was made redundant from his role. Um, they were closing down the business. So he was the person to basically turn the lights off. Um, and as a result, we ended up moving to Australia, but we moved to, you know, Melbourne instead of Adelaide. So that's a 10 hour drive away. Um, just to give you some perspective. So everyone was like, yeah, are you excited to be going home? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am. Oh, but it's, almost you know, home. Yeah, it's almost not home. quite mm-hmm. home. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and, you know, there were a lot of stories obviously around that. But um, in 2013, so we moved back here in 2011, so we will have been back here nearly 11 years now. Um, I started needing three-hour naps in the afternoon. I was absolutely exhausted. The first six months we moved here was amazing and then everything started going back downhill again. I kind of thought that maybe the move would save us, it would save our marriage, it would save our relationship, um, and things just got worse and worse and worse. You know, obviously for, for him he had a lot going on, you know. It was the first time he'd lived away from his family and, you know, they were quite a, a close family and it was it was one of those things that he was struggling i was i was you know watching the kids struggle um, my son used to skip off to school he was so excited to go and within a few months of being here he was you know complaining of tummy aches and his shoulders were drooping and he was just not the happy go lucky boy we'd brought back to australia with us and my daughter was having you know 4 hour tantrums in the afternoon or in the mm-hmm. morning usually and so they were all struggling and i was holding it all up and basically i just crumbled you know i couldn't keep holding it up for everybody else and I'd been seeing doctors, they were telling me how healthy I was, you know, and I'm going, I'm not, there's something going on here. And in the end, I got a mental health care plan. I got referred to a psychologist. I'd booked in for some mindfulness courses. And then the receptionist at the psychologist said to me, so what's going on for you? You sound pretty stressed. And I kind of gave her that, which was, you know, what I felt was the more socially acceptable answer rather than I'm falling in a heap and I don't feel like Uh a human being anymore um and she said okay that's all well and good but who's got your back and all of a sudden that was it I just crumbled I said nobody ever has it doesn't feel like nobody nobody's ever had my back and so she's like well that's a lot to put on one person isn't it and I'm like yeah but that's just you know kind of my role in life I've just got to suck it up and keep moving and she's like let me ask you it's kind of not normal is is Mm. this the therapist talking or the receptionist? The receptionist. See, yeah, the receptionist on the phone. She yeah, picked it up. This is amazing that the receptionist is uh, doing the work of the uh, professional uh, here. Well, uh, this is, uh, yeah. I mean, for her to be that knowledgeable or awareness. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, I, I mean this in a good way. Yeah. Not that, oh, not no, that it was she's amazing. being nosy or being surprised. No. With life. I'm just glad that uh, she's that aware to, to be uh, able to think that. Yeah. I mean, cause a lot of, a lot of receptions here where I live is 
what time do you want to come in to see the doctor? What day? Yeah. They don't, they don't open up and ask or do any of that. It's what day and what time is good for you. And that's all they do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she'd asked me because I was I was asking both about the psychology and the mindfulness courses and both of them, you know, I remember, I still remember when it was, it was the um, end of April. It was around the 20th, roughly, that I was booking in. And she couldn't get me in until the middle of May for my um, psychology appointment. And then the mindfulness classes didn't start until the end of the May. And so she said to me, well, have you ever thought about seeing, you know, a Reiki healer or a kinesiologist and i tried reiki before and it didn't really resonate with me at the time um i love the sessions now reiki is like hands-on healing okay okay um and so i i was a little bit you know i'm not sure about that so i said look right now i'm willing to try anything so book me in with the kinesiologist and now kinesiology is slightly different over here it's more energy healing it's looking at the flow of energy through the body making sure there's no blocks so what it is it's shifting the stresses out that are causing blocks in the body so that you can return to that innate healing that your body has mm-hmm. and that first session just changed my life she said to me you don't realize how emotionally abused you are and there are a number of relationships that i'd had that really came front of mind and i was like okay then i get it it took another four months to realise that my marriage fell into that category as well and then it took me another four months to get up the courage to leave. Um, and so, you know, it was just the start of this incredible journey and I remember, I, I still remember, it was the 24th of April 2015 that I had my first kinesiology session. I don't know why that date sticks in my mind. Um, and on the 24th of October I was sitting in the classroom having my, um, what do you call, orientation day to study mm-hmm. kinesiology. So it was literally six months to the day later that I was going, right, yeah. I've got to learn this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and Great it just started me on this. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was phenomenal. It was just this I had found this whole new world that delved beneath that surface. Like in all these years that I've been seeing doctors, not once did anyone ask me about my support structures about my relationships, about my anything to do with the stuff that actually holds us up and holds us together. I'm all for the uh, support structure or Mm. I say tell people, you know, think of it in the movies, supporting cast, you know. Mm. Uh, And an example I give people is, you know, we can't win the Super Bowl or the World Series or any championship without supporting teammates, cast, people that could be there. We don't have to love them. We don't have to like things they do. We don't have to agree with everything. But the thing is, we respect each other. Mm. And we're we're on the same mission to make each other and us better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I talk about it that, you know, especially with clients, I'm looking to build their internal scaffolding, which is their own internal tools, and also looking at what their external scaffolding is. So looking at basically supporting them from both sides. It's building those internal tools, those internal resources, so that when they don't have anybody to turn to, they have that access to something that will mm-hmm. help them in the moment. And also then they've got those external things. And even if, you know, I read um, a couple of studies where a lot of, I can't remember the percentage of Americans don't even have, you know, one emergency contact that's 
or somebody that they feel they could put down as an emergency contact. And yeah. we're such social creatures. And so I do suggest, you know, to, to people, you know, that I see that are in that feeling that they don't have that external scaffolding to, you know, start creating those opportunities to meet those people, whether it be going to different groups or clubs or and also getting professionals that they can go to that they feel safe with, that they know they can share with. Um, you know, I always find it amazing that people come straight through to the first person that they're referred to and very few people pick up the phone to people who are going to mental emotional, and spiritual health and yet we'll spend ages choosing a pair of shoes or a, an hour, you know, an occasion, oh, yeah. you know, shopping around for a new car like that. And so, you know, I really recommend that to us to shop around and find a few health professionals that they can go to for that help if they don't have that external scaffolding, you know, in their own families or in their friendship groups. Here in uh, America, I don't know the statistics, but it's a very, however you look at it, high number, low number, but that a man can say is so mm. close of a friend, has so close of a friend that they would uh, open up to them. We're just so bottled up yeah. and, you know, for yeah. whatever reason. And, but, but that's, it, yeah, it's not good, and, but we're yeah. so bottled up. And uh, growing up now, uh, I, I had the impression that especially if you saw a, a psychiatrist or psychologist and we would view that person as crazy, you know, yeah. where I've had to, I've had to learn because I've had to speak with a psychologist, mm -hmm. a psychologist and stuff. And I've got to come to realize now, and it took me 50 years to realize it, that yeah. um, just like exercising, going to the gym and exercising your body. All right. And if mm -hmm. we don't exercise our mind to keep it clean, get the negative stuff out, to get the frustrating stress and stuff out, then we're just doomed to fail as well. And so when yeah. exercising your body, you're only doing half the work when you got another part, a valuable <laughs> part, valuable part that's got to be exercised as well. And whether you want to talk to a psychologist, psychiatrist, it's got to be somebody you can open up to yeah. uh, without, without fear and judgment. An interesting point on that, you know, you sort of say the body's um, half the picture. Well, actually, quantum physicists have proven that the universe is 4% physical matter. So when you look at this meat suit that we're walking around in, mm -hmm. it's 4% of the picture. So what the other 96% is, is our energetic health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, our relational health, our financial health, our transformational health, all of those different aspects of us come in to make up the whole. And most people put most of the focus on this physical body. Mm. You know, they wait until it's screaming in pain before they go and get help. But we, if you look back on any physical pain you've had, there will be a preceding amount of either stress or tension or emotional distress or emotional discomfort, something happening that is giving you clues that this ain't quite right. And we ignore it because we're taught that, you know, those intuition things are silly and, mm -hmm. you know, you can't trust them and all of that sort of stuff. And especially for men, you know, for women, we have to sort of, you know, be within this narrow band of behaviour. And if we go out of that, we're either too much or, you know, not enough or, you know, and for men, your emotional bandwidth is supposed to be this. 
for you yeah. to, you know, yeah. be socially acceptable. And, and you know, it is a really big part of society that, you know, is changing, I believe, and needs to change a hell of a lot more. We're not certainly not at that tipping point yet. But it, because there's much more awareness and much more conversation around it, I think slowly it's happening. I ran a um, spring equinox retreat on the weekend, just a one day. Now, I only had a couple of women there because I did it on grand final day. It was a silly day, but, you know, I couldn't change the equinox um, and our grand final, mm-hmm. so Australian rules football. Um, but I had probably about four or five men say to me, could we come? And that is the first time I have put out a women's circle that men have gone, actually, could we attend as well? So men are looking for this kind of space whereby they are held in a safe environment to start questioning what's going on in their internal world. And that actually made my heart sing because it means that the message is getting out slowly but Mm -hmm. surely Mm -hmm. that it's okay that it's okay to open up, that it's okay and necessary to talk about the feelings that are going on within. I think times are shifting, like you're saying, where Mm. uh, men and people in general realize that there is more to it, like you said, uh, in life, and it's it's more complex than what we already believe in complex, that we've got to nurture other areas of our life, like mm-hmm. uh, like like I just mentioned, than just physically working out our bodies. It's all yeah. the other stuff. It's all involved. That's got to be exercised and worked out as well. So absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I think 100%. I think part of it again, it come down to I, for me, I would think for a man, it, it would be the fear of judgment. You're yeah. weak if you go and do this. You're weak. Mm-hmm. How are you handling your own life if you can't do and I think just the fear of judgment for a man that, yeah. uh, you know, that I'm not not real, a true man if I don't. And I, but I'm and like you, I, I believe it's shifting. I believe it is, I yeah. believe it is shifting. The younger group are going to know better. Also looking at that judgment, you know, it's quite fascinating because most people would judge what they're actually jealous of. So when okay. people judge you for that, there would be a lot of people going, oh, God, I wish I could do that, but I can't, so therefore I'm going to, you know, and that's not a conscious thought, of course, by the way. It's mm-hmm, all subconscious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're not no, consciously going, I'm going to judge you because of this. But a lot of that will come from their own insecurities. You know, our all of our judgments come from our, from our own inner securities, our own inner thoughts and emotions and our own internal patterning. And what often happens is, and I see this a lot with teenage girls, especially in clinic, is so you look across, I don't know, say the schoolyard, and obviously we can all put this into our own environment. You see circumstances, mm-hmm. but they're doing the same to you. They're putting all of their own insecurities and beliefs and everything into you and assume you're thinking about them. So you're both actually doing exactly the same thing. And what you're doing is, oh, my God, that person's judging me. They're thinking this. They're thinking, oh, my God, you know, do I have something on my face? Like, but that person's thinking exactly the same thing. Oh, my God, that person's judging me. And what we're doing in that moment is we're perceiving their perception of what they think of us. Mm -hmm. So how far from the truth are we? You know, a real-life example, one day I was um, standing in, you know, my home and I'm cutting up some veggies for dinner and my daughter was sitting at the kitchen table and she was doing some homework or something and she looked up and 
she looked at me and she's going, Mummy, why are you so sad? And I was like, you know, I've come out of my little, you know, daydream. And I said to her, oh, what was that, honey? And she said, why are you so sad? And I said, oh, darling, I'm not sad. I said, I was just, you know, I'm doing a, <laughs> a pretty boring job. I'm cutting up vegetables. I was just off in my own little world. Mm-hmm. You know, I was daydreaming. Now, if she had gone through that night thinking that I was upset, my daughter is a fixer. She wants to fix it. She does not want her mum to be sad. So she would have tried to look after me. She would have offered to do my hair or give me a little shot or do something to me not sad. And she would have probably, because children are, you know, do things. Well, Amanda, we're, we're breaking and up And so here, it's Amanda. just a really interesting thing about what other people are potentially judging. Oh, are yeah, we? we? Yeah, we broke up a little bit there. We got, we got far back as... Uh, Oh, we lost okay. her? <laughs> That's yeah, okay. It's, it's just, uh, I couldn't it's, see. It's yes, up I'm here. <laughs> so, are we back? Are we, yes, uh, you're back now. <laughs> I changed signals. It looked strong from my end, but clearly it wasn't. So I figured I'd change signals and just get something a little bit more stable. <laughs> well, right now they look uh, better than it was while but that's her right now. Looks better than it did a few minutes ago. So, all right. So uh, <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad your uh, daughter is a uh, uh, cares for mama, and so that's good. And so uh, uh, she'll be she'll be taught and trained uh, how to uh, be better. You know, to be a better, better person in, in life. That's good. So, um, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's amazing how um, we're. I'm a firm believer that uh, we all are insecure about something. I mean, I don't mm. care who you are, the richest person, the happiest person ever in life and everything. There's there's something that's bogs you down that you're hiding it from everybody. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing about people outside in the world is they hide what they don't want you to, uh, you to know. And yeah. I mean, which is good because you don't want people worrying for you, but also it's not good if it's, holding you back in life and preventing you from doing whatever in life and you're miserable by yourself, but out in the open, you're hiding it. And uh, the reason I can say that when I had my injury, got my neck broken, I tried my best to hide not being depressed mm-hmm. from being paralyzed. Yeah. And so, yeah. but people saw through it. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm a firm believer. I don't care who you are. I mean, Robin Williams, the actor, actor, comic, and then he was so depressed with his life, you know, commit suicide. Uh, mm-hmm. But he, you know, he made a comment that um, he made other people laugh so he could hide one thing from them where he was. Yeah. Plus it gave him some sense of, of, of being happy as well by yeah. watching other people being happy and uh, from being funny. But yeah, he was hiding his depression until it finally caught up yeah. with him. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I know, I know for my own mental health, you know, I was, I was being asked all the time if I was depressed and I'm going, depression isn't part of it. Now, looking back now, I think perhaps depression was part of it, but it was more to do with the situational stuff. And I think that is, you know, we kind of got that fine line to walk between, yes, depression is huge, but also in certain situations, you should be feeling depressed. You know, when marriages yeah. end, when, you know, you become paralyzed, when when these things happen, when when somebody dies, 
you should go through a depression. A depression is a downward ebb. The fact is now they're trying to clinicalize everything. And so it's like depression's been taken by the psychologists and psychiatrists, and now we must medicate everybody. But sometimes medication isn't necessary. With grief, with some of those things, we need to move through it. We need the right people to help us move through it emotionally because we need to feel all of those stages of grief to be able to truly heal rather than putting a mask on it, which is what the drug does. It masks some mm-hmm. of that. Now, yes. I truly believe some of my clients truly, truly need the medication they're on. By the way, I'm not anti-medication. I'm just saying that because, you know. I'm not anti-medication. Yeah, I'm not anti-medication, but I think we overdo it. Yeah, and that's it. You know, if if somebody dies, I should feel depressed. When my marriage let ends, I should feel depressed. When I'm in a toxic, toxic environment of a marriage, I should feel depressed. Now, I knew that I wasn't depressed, clinically depressed, Mm -hmm. yet they kept trying to put me on antidepressants. And I'm like, no, I knew it was something more than that. And I think it's only really been the last few years that I've truly had the language for that to be able to say, you know what, I should have been depressed then, but I wasn't clinically depressed. Exactly. I was going yes. through yes. a natural emotional landscape. Mm-hmm. But the fact mm-hmm. is what we want to do is narrow this band of emotion so that we don't feel the deep, you know, negative stuff. But in, in trying to numb the negative, we're also numbing the high positive stuff as well. Yes. So, yes. you know, and, and people like Brene Brown talk about it a lot where there's that thief of joy. You know, we get into this joyous situation and it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. And then this thought comes in and goes, but what if? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, shit. And you notice that the joy starts to go. And so that Mm -hmm. also becomes that practice of, hang on, no, I'm going to stick with this joy a little bit longer. I'll worry about that thought later. Because we also, you know, you you even look at the language we use in society, you know, make hay while the sun shines, enjoy it while it lasts. We act as though those positive, amazing emotions that we feel are fleeting. But the negative shit is going to stick around forever. Oh, that's and that's part of our own response of, and I don't understand it. They just start the DNA makeup, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We'll hold, we'll hang on forever for the bad, and then we'll yeah. forget what happened good, unless yeah. we remind ourselves. We sure, sure they'll. We sure, and a heartbeat go. That gummy. I remember that day when I stumped my toe, <laughs> just for nothing. Yeah. yeah, we need somehow we need to be rewired the other way where we remember the yeah. good we're more yeah. than we remember the bad in the past. And I think, look, it does go back to ancient physiology and, and the way the body works is we had to be aware of dangerous things because otherwise we would die. Mm-hmm. Now, realistically in society, we're in a pretty safe society these days, you know, for the most part. I mean, obviously you're in the States, part, you're I'm in Australia we're relatively safe. You know, I'm not talking about war zones and things like that. That's a different, you know, situation. But for the most part, we walk out of our house in the morning and we know we're going to return at night. And, but we're still wired to look for all of those things that are dangerous. And when you think we're built also to walk and yet we're driving around it, you know, 40, 60, 80 kilometres an hour or, you know, whatever that is in miles 
I don't know, 40 to 80 miles an hour, yeah, whatever you drive at over the there. Old, uh, I'd have to get out <laughs> the old uh, measurement. Uh, the yeah, I can't remember what it is. Yeah, all that. Uh, <laughs> that's but, all right. We, we'll, we'll Google those one day. <laughs> yeah, you let it work out it. The, Let it work the formula for us. Yeah, but, um, you know, because we're built to move at walking pace and we're moving in cars at these super big speeds, our brain can't actually take in all that information. And so our brains are constantly overloaded and that's where we find the stress. And so part of that rewiring that you talk about is getting out into nature more. It is slowing down more. It is taking those breaks and that rest, turning off our phones, getting back to a slower pace. And I've noticed that the more I've sort of done this spiritual work that I do, the more I've done the personal development, the more time I need in nature to feel balanced and to feel in control of where I'm at. It's it's quite a fascinating place to be. And, and I look for those times where I can switch off, where I can be away from the noise and the hustle and bustle because I'm getting into that space. And also I find it easier to access joy. You know, I walk on the beach every morning for it's around seven kilometres, so I think it's about an hour and a quarter, um, mm-hmm. obviously with the sand and things. If it was pavement, I'd be able to walk a bit quicker, but squidgy sand, you can't always walk that quick. Right. Um, but, you know, it's, it probably takes me a good hour and a quarter to do the walk and I get a little um, a chai midway, so a, a kind of coffee midway. And that's my little morning routine with with my puppy dog. And... That is my place every time I get to the beach. And I have walked it in some pretty shocking weather to the fact that I am the only person on the beach. And that re- that really <laughs> happens. But there's been a few days where I'm the only person on that beach because it's windy and it's raining and it's miserable. But even in those moments, I am in wonder and awe of the na- natural world. And so every day I start my day with that with that connection to nature, with a connection to God, with a connection to something bigger than me, with an awe in my belly of, you know, yesterday morning, for example, perfect example, I'd come off a podcast interview, got my dog in the car, went down, and as I walked down the little path to get to the beach, there's a dolphin, flat, flat water, and just a dolphin Mm -hmm. swimming, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was just perfect. And I'm just standing there going, oh, my God. And it's not like seeing dolphins is a rare occurrence. Like they're out there a lot, but it's still that magic. And the fact that I can now see that, whereas in the past, you know, I would not have even walked the beach in the rain. I just wouldn't have. I'd be like, oh, it's raining. I'll go out another day, you know. (laughs) So it's finding those things that give you joy. Yeah, I, I love getting out in uh, Mother Nature's world yeah. as much as possible. I love seeing the critters. Even I, I think most animals are beautiful. Most, not a, yeah. But these, <laughs> and I'm sorry, people don't hate me, but I don't think your hairless dog and hairless cat's beautiful. That's, <laughs> you may think it, but that's that's me. I'm totally different. But I mean, yeah. I think snakes are beautiful. I don't want to play with them. But I think they're beautiful. Okay, <laughs> they I, I all have their their needs. The, yeah, you know the old yeah. the old thing about um, you know I think alligators, crocodiles. I think they're beautiful in their way. I said I don't want to yeah. play with them because their instinct is to rip your arm off. Okay, <laughs> yeah, and, and and these people, <laughs> I understand the surfing, getting out in the ocean. But when you're playing in the sharks' backyard, 
I don't get mad if they bite you. Now, I don't <laughs> want you bit. I don't want that, no. but you got to expect there's a possibility. And so, yeah. but I, I think I'm a big lover of Mother Nature and so much tranquility, getting mm. out of the hustle and bustle. Like you said, yeah. you leave a lot of stress, open your mind, slow your mind down. Yeah. And looking at the whole big picture. Yeah. I'm yeah. all for that. And connecting to something greater than ourselves. I think so often we get wrapped up in our world and we get wrapped up in our daily stresses and all of those things that are going on and realizing that there is something bigger. I actually said it to a client. I've said it to a few clients um, recently, but the first time I said it to a client, I was like, oh, I don't know where that came from. There you go. When people are talking, negatively about themselves when they're doing that you know the I'm fat I'm ugly I'm stupid I'm whatever and they're saying horrible Mm -hmm. things about themselves you are basically telling God he made a mistake what gives you the right to do that what gives you the power to tell God that he screwed up he has put all of us here for a reason now we have free will choice as to what that reason you know what we do with that yeah 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 but for us to sit and and be so nasty to ourselves, because so much of the stuff that I used to say to myself, there's no way I would say to a loved one, to, you know, somebody that I respected, to, well, actually to any other human being, even if I didn't like well, them, I, was, I, I was getting ready to say to myself. It, yeah, you know, I was going to say, it, it is so incredible that we're so much mm. harder on ourselves than we think mm. the people outside our world you know, we worried yeah. what other people say about us, what they think about us, what they're wondering about. But then we're, like you yeah. said, I'm so fat and ugly. I can't believe that. Da, da, da. And then, yeah, we're so hard on why we weren't about what anybody else saying. We're going to do it to ourselves anyway. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I've been there and I'm sure I go in and out of that state. I'm sure because we're not perfect, uh, but I've tried yeah. to as- try to catch it as fast as possible and and shut it down and come mm. back with the good stuff but uh yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how we're so hard on ourselves yeah and like i say you know it has really changed a couple of people they they came back in after those sessions when i'd said that to them and they're like oh my god that has made such a difference because every time i'm criticizing myself now i'm like well god put me here yeah well, you, and you i'm not really going to judge that <laughs> Or, or whomever you believe put in there. Yeah, I know. Or whoever you think put us here, by the way. You know, aliens or the creator or whatever you think that bigger power is. Whatever yeah, I know, you think I know that's a, I know I that's a God, different topic. So. I know it's a wild topic <laughs> no. and everything. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The people that believe in, the, in a higher God, uh, I, um, yeah. and I don't know all of them out there, but uh, names, but I, I believe that, we're all talking to the same one, and just everybody has a different name for them. Same. And that's that, that, I that's just, that's yeah. that's. An, I mean, they may not agree with me on that, but that's again, that's me. I, I, I know I'm God, stupid, so but that's I'm with yeah, you. And, and so uh, I think we're all doing the same thing, just different name. So, um, yeah. yeah, you need to make a T-shirt of that. You know, you know about what you're talking about the, with that saying you said, and so um, from there, and and again, I'm I'm all for you know you're talking about. Uh, we're driving these fast vehicles and we get overloaded with our mind and we get stressed out. And so again, I'm a, a big believer. The old, um, when you slow down and smell the roses, um, yeah. I'm going, uh, but uh, one of my next books title is going to be that, um, 
sometimes we have to walk through the fertilizer to smell the roses. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. hundred percent. All right. And I think those bits of adversity are what make us, you know, they're what give us the wisdom. They're what give us the connection back to that more pure God source, I think, because we start to go, okay, well, I've been through that. What else can I do? What else can I, you know, achieve? I'm still alive. Holy crap. We don't have to love, like anything we go through. Yeah. But when we come out of the other end and we say how strong we were to get through it, we've got yeah. to use, remember that for the next time something comes and how yeah. we were able to get through that other time from yes. there. And like you said, it helps define us to to show us again uh, that we're stronger than what we thought of and capable yeah. of doing what we thought less of. So, yeah. and again, let's go back to again, uh, how, how hard we are on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Amanda, Kate, uh, thank you. This has been a great time. Enjoyed your conversation now that you fixed your internet. And so, uh, (laughs) yeah, apologies for that. (laughs) That's okay. We go to a good old thing. We go back and edit out the other stuff and we'll be able to pick it up and we'll we'll, we'll do great. And so, um, but uh, appreciate you being here. Hey, go ahead and tell us about uh, all your website, uh, your social media, your books, and uh, any courses or anything how people can find you if they want to talk to you, coaching, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is www.amandakate.com.au. My book, Divine Messy Human, is a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence. So, again, that that real looking in before we look out. Um, I know you can get it, I think, at Barnes & Noble online, Amazon. um, It's a Kindle book. um, So there's a few different places there. Um, Website's a great place to start. It does have my Facebook and Instagram accounts linked to it. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn at Amanda-Kate and I'm on TikTok at Divinely Messy. So just uh, playing around on some of those at the moment. I do have a YouTube channel, but it, I don't have enough followers yet to have it as a um, as an actual link. It's just got those weird letters and numbers at the moment. So, uh-huh. yeah, so they're the places that you can find me, absolutely, and obviously the books. So, yeah, come and check it out and I'd love to, you know, to be of service. So, Yeah. There we go. And I'll put those links in the show notes to help people mm, click on the link and move forward uh, from there. But you have been a blessing over here. I'm glad that, um, sorry you went through the emotional, abusive marriage. But as I said on just my last podcast uh, 45 minutes ago, that I'm glad <laughs> you were able to uncork the genie with the end for yeah. us to the to see the real you, the new and yeah. improved you, and so I'm glad that the world is experiencing you as well, and uh, mm-hmm. where you're going to help Thank other you. people out there. So Thank Amanda, you. yeah, I know there's people hurting and struggling today. If you can leave us with a uh, big nugget of inspiration to get through today, that'd be a blessing. I think the biggest one is bring in a little bit more self kindness and self compassion. So allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling and be kind to yourself. You know, we are all going to have good feelings and bad feelings that, you know, the things that don't feel so good are things we want less of and the things that do feel so good is our soul saying, yes, please, more of that. So acknowledge your feelings and 
you know, make whatever changes you feel you can and be kind to yourself, be compassionate. And you know what? If you need to lay on the couch and have a snooze, go and do it. There we <laughs> Stop go. Stop rushing yeah. around. There you go. Get that little uh, stress reliever uh, going, no matter what you may, uh, may be. Yeah, so. exactly. All right. Uh, thank you, Amanda, for being here. Everyone else, thank oh, sure thank you so much. out to someone that you uh, may think needs some help here. And Amanda's out there to uh, help you. So uh, thank you, everyone. This is uh, the doc, Professor of Perseverance, Dr. James Perdue. Uh, thank you for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.